to see you as well. Thank you very much. Uh, good, good morning. Good morning, Chairperson. Good morning, members of the Portfolio Committee. Uh, thank you very much. I think we should start. It's now nine o'clock. Um, what I propose we do. Recording in progress. Today, we are supposed to be getting a briefing on the annual performance plans and the budget. And we thought that we would also use this time to get progress reports on the issues we raised during the last appearance of uh, South African Human Rights Commission before Parliament as to what has been done. I propose that we start with the APPs and then, then thereafter we will receive um, the progress report from the South African Human Rights Commission on the issues relating to audit findings that were made by the Auditor General with respect to their books. And that is what we would uh, do after, after we have dealt with the budget. Is that in order, members? Fine, Chair. Thank you very much. Is that in order, Chair? It is in order, uh, Chairperson. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, good morning, Chairperson, and to the delegation from the South African Human Rights Commission. I saw that Advocate Gam uh, is also here. Good morning, and, and other commissioners present. Uh, Mr. Malachi, Ms. Ndoli, good morning to everybody, the CEO, uh, good morning to everybody. Uh, Chairperson, I think you would have received co communication from ourselves uh, that we intend to have presentations for 30 minutes, not longer than that which means that uh, we want a much more focused presentation on the budget and the APPs. Um, over to you, Chairperson. Um, uh, thank you, uh, Chairperson. Yes, we, we will receive those presentations. Mr. Siasanga will present the APPs and uh, uh, Mr. Lori then we'll present the budget part. And in the process, we will also then address the um, progress made with regard to the audit issues that have been raised. I just wish to thank you and to uh, greet the members of the Portfolio Committee, uh, the commissioners present, as well as the CEO of the commission and the supporting staff. Noting that the uh, time available is only 30 minutes, uh, may I dispense with whatever remarks I wanted to make? Um, and uh, as the chair has directed, uh, uh, lean towards a, a focused presentation on the APPs, the budget, and the steps taken to, uh, to move forward. Um, I will probably just come come in uh, after uh, the, the two presentations uh, to supplement if it is necessary uh, on the steps that have been taken. Thank you. Uh, I would then like to just call Mr. Siasanga uh, to, uh, to come in if possible. Thank you. 
Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, Chair, and greetings uh, to Honorable Committee Chairperson and Committee members. May I kindly ask uh, Fadla to please help with the flighting of the presentation slides. Thank you so much, Fadla. If you go then to the opening slide, uh, where we just provide briefly uh, context uh, in terms of our planning uh, process in preparation for our 2022 2023 financial year. And really just to highlight a few, a few a brief uh, things in this area. And to note that noting the request around the approach, Chairperson, uh, that some of the items that relate to the audit uh, challenges as has been identified in the previous engagement will also be a part of this uh, particular presentation. We'll keep highlighting some of the areas in terms of what we've done, also in trying to improve this particular, uh, particular plan. But really, the planning context has been um, marked by various factors, uh, including uh, issues such as if you look at some of the underlying issues relating to the July unrest, for an example, can be traced uh, back to the kinds of challenges that our country is facing uh, in relation to issues of poverty, unemployment, uh, inequality. But also we've seen a, a violent character uh, in terms of these uh, kinds of issues. These are, in terms of the commission now, uh, thematic uh, areas or thematic issues that underpin our work uh, in the sense that as we plan, uh, we seek to, to eliminate these kinds of challenges uh, facing uh, our country. And in this regard, going forward, we are uh, engaging in a, a consultative process to ensure and promote a social cohesion and social harmony. Uh, but also just to indicate that during our planning process in preparation for this plan, it happened at a time where concurrently we were also hosting and convening the hearings related to this July unrest. So the work uh, in this regard uh, continues and overlaps into the new year and is part of our, of our new plan, things like uh, completing on the reports uh, relating to the hearing and the consultative process that one has just uh, alluded to. The issues relating to the COVID-19 pandemic also persisted and had their own effect uh, in terms of our planning processes, whereby we've had situations of some of our commissioners and officials uh, falling ill uh, during uh, pertinent times of, of the planning process. Uh, but in addition, uh, the planning uh, was also undertaken in the context of certain capacity challenges with some key vacancies remaining in certain critical positions, uh, including that of the head of legal services, who is responsible really for coordination of our protection mandate, uh, the levels of our uh, CFO, as well as uh, chief information officers, and a few other uh, senior management uh, positions that may have been unstable uh, in terms of us executing in this plan. And we have, uh, Chair, indeed been cognizant throughout the planning process of the identified audit challenges from the past and tried to ensure that as we plan, we kept this in mind to ensure that our plan going forward does adequately meet the audit requirements. And uh, as indicated, we will also talk further uh, in this regard. Despite all of these challenges, Chair, the Commission is committed really to ensuring effective implementation on our strategic plan uh, to ensure uh, that a culture of human rights is sustained. If we move to the next uh, item, therefore, we have uh, structured our presentation such that we cover all our 
uh, program areas, uh, starting from the administration, promotion, protection, and monitoring of human rights programs. We have included some slides share that talk to initiatives to improve on our audit outcome, uh, an area which I will then share with our acting CFO uh, to take over from there uh, and then move on to conclude the presentation with the budget overview. Uh, if we move to the next one, we will try then chair also in the interest of time to just focus on certain areas uh, in terms of this presentation. Uh, the next few slides really reflect on our human rights priority areas, which uh, I won't really go into detail. These are covered in terms of our five-year strategic plan document. And these are areas that we had presented uh, in our previous engagement, and these really have not changed. The focus being, in addition to pro-human rights budgeting aspects, as well as issues of anti-corruption, being really on the economic and social rights uh, elements, uh, civil and political rights issues, as well as the national preventive mechanism. Uh, so if we go uh, to the next uh, slides, we will also note there a focus on uh, the next slide again on issues of uh, cross-cutting issues or transversal issues with which the commission pays uh, attention to. If you move to the next one, uh, Fadla, that's where the transversal issues are reflected. Uh, next slide again, yes, please. Issues such as those uh, addressing challenges of inequality, promoting children's rights, looking at issues of gender, disability, older persons and migrants. Uh, I will then move to focus on the programmatic uh, uh, areas, uh, Chairperson. Uh, this slide really just provides an overview in terms of uh, the outcomes that we wish to pursue per program. So instead of talking to this slide, I will then talk to each program area and reflect on this to avoid really having to kind of repeat myself in the presentation. Therefore, let's move to the administration program uh, on the next one, uh, Fadla. The outcome really in terms of our admin program is what is reflected in the center of the slide there, where we want to see an effective and efficient delivery uh, on our mandate as the institution. Uh, we will just reflect on the kind of specific indicators and targets that are then contained to try and achieve this uh, or realize this outcome, uh, which is then reflected if you go to the next slide, uh, uh, Fadla. Let me start here, Chair, and indicate that in relation to some of the issues, for an example, around the perhaps audit-related challenges, but also just the formation of our indicators. Uh, in the past, it has been raised, concern has been raised. We have uh, tried to, to relook and review how we then present on our targeting, and therefore, committee members, you will note, uh, we have moved away from the approach of having a, a, a targeted range of percentages, for instance, in terms of the targets where we are implementing certain plans. And we said uh, our measures should be uh, linked to at least a minimum of 80% uh, achievement and realization. And this uh, really accompanied by the rationalization that uh, learning from the past, there has been instances where we get uh, diverted due to arising uh, issues and challenges that then make it uh, kind of impossible to then reach fully a 100% mark. And therefore, to be realistic, we, 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 we would uh, target at the 80% mark. However, we have committed to 100% implementation on a few areas that we thought were critical. Uh, one, including areas around compliance with uh, legislative requirements. And noting, Chair, that a, a basket of this legislation also touches on some of the elements raised through our procurement challenges uh, in relation to the audit. And therefore the commitment to ensure that we fully comply 
where that area is concerned. And really another new area that we would be looking at going forward is in relation to the Protection of Personal Information Act, uh, whereby uh, the act uh, is, is, is now uh, in operation and we have as an institution to respond and ensure we comply. And especially the kind of institution that we are, where we deal with thousands of, of uh, information of individuals. Uh, we have to ensure that we are covered there. In relation to the strategic uh, risks uh, management area and treatment plans there, uh, Chair, you will note also that uh, within our strategic risks, we have a risk that relates again to the issues of uh, a risk of, of, of obtaining an adverse audit opinion. And therefore, whatever plans relate to that, we have, to, we have committed ourselves to ensure that we fully implement against that. Let's move to the next one, Fatla, uh, so we can just reflect on the uh, area around information and communications technology as well as knowledge management. Here we, we, we have planned to undertake a digitization project where we digitize all of our documents and automate our systems. Really this is in response firstly to the requirements or rather the demands and, and, and utilizing the opportunities presented by the fourth industrial revolution, but also ensure that we do take opportunities to advance human rights through technology. Uh, also, it helps us to then uh, uh, move towards uh, paperless systems, which then promote the accessibility uh, of our of our documents online. Uh, it does also also address issues in relation to the audit uh, chair, where in terms of records management, uh, is the accessibility, the efficiency of, of of prevailing or rather availing our documents. Uh, to the to the process of auditing will then be made more efficient uh, efficient through uh, the digitization uh, process. Are, are, again, uh, looking at issues of audit, the commitment to implement 100% on our internal audit plan, we have also rephrased the target relating to uh, 1.10 on the slide, uh, which is the audit opinion and directly targeted now that we should be obtaining a clean audit. This is really also meant to conscientize everyone, uh, every staff member in the institution uh, to, 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 to have this realization. And lastly, in the admin program, but also relating to issues of addressing uh, on, on an ongoing basis, the audit challenges is the introduction of a target that talks to the supply chain management turnaround plan. Uh, which includes uh, items such as enhancing capacity uh, within the supply chain and procurement space and assessing uh, really the transactions that have caused us grief in the past and finding ways of how uh, we can improve where that is concerned. Uh, we can move then to the promotion of human rights program. And here really the intention uh, intent being uh, increased uh, reach of the commission, which we seek to realize and achieve through use of various media platforms uh, whereby we do implement a media and communications plan and we do want to ensure that we sustain the gains we've made over the past uh, three to five years in this space whereby we've seen uh, uh, increasing uh, growth in terms of our visibility, in terms of our reach through the various uh, forms of media, uh, including uh, uh, print media, including uh, issues around uh, viewership and listenership. If we look at the next slide, then just to go to some of the detail and highlight uh, what is contained uh, in terms of the activities planned here, 
is a continued strategic stakeholder engagements uh, whereby we plan to conduct more than 200 of these and just of note uh, committee members would be uh, the engagements reflected in item 2.2 which relate to us engaging with provincial governments uh, across all provinces uh, this would take the form of interacting with offices of the premiers and possibly really with the entire provincial executive councils. The intention here really being for the commission to establish a, a mechanism for uh, uh, promoting accountability for human rights at the provincial level. So this is where the commission would be highlighting certain human rights issues uh, of note uh, within a, a province and solicit commitments from the provincial government uh, to addressing uh, these uh, uh, those raised kinds of uh, human rights issues. We have uh, planned a conference that would be looking at issues of local government and service delivery and trying to really get an understanding of the root causes of the failures at the level of local government and try to find uh, uh, sustainable solutions to addressing uh, such failures. The next slide uh, will indicate will indicate um, at the level of communities. Uh, you will note item 2.7 there. We have uh, in the past established uh, community human rights champions in view of the fact that we have a limited capacity and reach uh, in terms of also the location of our offices being located in single urban centers across the provinces. We have used this uh, method to have and establish human rights champions in over 200 communities uh, uh, currently. And they have uh, continued to, to, to serve a purpose where they refer uh, some complaints to the Human Rights Commission, but they also serve as some form of a mouthpiece in terms of ensuring awareness of human rights within their own uh, spaces. We continue to establish a new and make a, a, a partnerships with new champions going forward. But also this one, Chair, would also talk to addressing the one of the challenges that were raised in terms of the audit, where I think it was around issues of a, a, an indicator that was phrased in a manner that was not uh, smart enough. We have uh, rephrased uh, this indicator to be quite specific in terms of the workshops uh, being uh, conducted. Uh, lastly, under the promotion, I just want to highlight the, the, the school's moot court competition, uh, which also continues going forward and reflecting on the success, successes that this kind of an event has been, whereby uh, in the last year, over 300 schools participated nationally. This is to promote human rights education among the schooling population. And we've seen the difference in the two years. Uh, the year before last, uh, this jump was moved from about less than 200 schools to more than 300 schools participating in the last year. And of note here, it has been noted that you, the, the, the lower quintile schools actually realized and achieved the higher scores uh, in this regard. A note, uh, 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 an analysis that points to saying that perhaps there is a, 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 a increasing or improving equity in education. Let's move to the protection of human rights uh, program where the intention really is that the commission uh, should be providing a redress mechanisms where human rights have been violated or threatened. And we look at the specific indicators uh, in the next slide, uh, you will note the continued intention to then continue to deal with complaints uh, that are lodged with the commission and, and the target to finalize at least 3,000 of those. 
and but the intention more really being the commission's focus and movement towards proactively uh, proactively conducting or undertaking initiatives to address systemic violations and in this regard we have uh, increased our target to to to, to look at uh, undertaking 39 initiatives uh, we do produce uh, our complaint trends analysis reports, which really does provide for a look at past trends in terms of the nature of complaints that come through. Uh, it does provide lessons for us uh, and, and informs our planning going forward and strategies uh, on how to more effectively uh, provide uh, for our redress mechanisms. Uh, we have also introduced a new indicator in this regard, Chair, in terms of item 3.6, which looks at memoranda of understanding with universities. The intention really being to tap into and, and, and uh, promote partnerships with technical expertise uh, that can be found in universities, uh, a move that would then enhance our investigations uh, where, where it may, such expertise may be needed, which we do not necessarily have in-house. Uh, it then promotes the credibility and accuracy of our findings and therefore the relevance of our of our directives. Uh, we then move to the monitoring uh, mandate or program uh, where we look at developing an integrated uh, human rights monitoring framework. Uh, perhaps uh, if we then focus on the next slide that talks to the details, uh, this being really an overview slide. Let's look at the next one, Fadla. Uh, development here of an integrated human rights monitoring framework that seeks to consolidate all our uh, on the execution of our human rights monitoring plan. Uh, in this regard, we do have uh, about 10 areas that we monitor on an annual basis uh, across, uh, including in, in the areas of economic and social rights, in the areas of civil and political rights, and we want to provide an increasing focus now on uh, at the level of local government, uh, on local government monitoring. Uh, this integration really seeks to take into account the interrelated uh, nature of issues uh, of, of human rights, but it would also then assist us to optimize uh, resource utilization uh, so that information uh, collected and gathered uh, in one area is able to be fed to, to as part of analysis across across interrelated areas. And then it also would be inclusive of a, a focus on us monitoring in terms of our reports, recommendations, and the implementation of such recommendations thereof, so that this is all an integrated system uh, of monitoring, also playing the role around uh, uh, the response to the to the constitutional mandate uh, in terms of section 184 of the constitution the requirement for us to seek from organs of state the uh, information relating to what uh, they, they, they are doing to to, to improve uh, around economic and social rights we then package our findings around monitoring into various reports uh, including the state of human rights uh, in south africa reports as well as provincial states of human rights reports across provinces. So each province would reflect on the monitoring findings and make certain recommendations pertaining to the province, uh, likewise at the level uh, of the national, uh, at the national level. And we look at all the, the, the various uh, rights areas. We also do produce a, 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 an international and regional human rights report 
uh, or various outputs relating to uh, research and work in these areas where we, we, we will look at the monitoring findings in relation to the obligations around international instruments, uh, instruments uh, such as your different conventions, conventions on the right of the child and, 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 and so on. Part of this international uh, uh, obligations work is the Commission looking at uh, establishing an independent monitoring mechanism uh, under the Convention on the Rights of uh, Persons with Disability. Uh, like we have uh, provided some resources towards establishment of a unit that would focus uh, in this area to ensure uh, compliance with the requirements of the CRPD. And lastly, Chair, I think just to reflect on the work of the NPM, the National Preventive Mechanism, that it will be continuing into its third year uh, since establishment. And we do note the growth around uh, awareness of the mandate of the NPM, but also uh, more stakeholders uh, coming on board uh, in relation to, 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 to a better understanding around the work of the NPM. And we will then move uh, to my last section, Chair, before I then hand over to our acting CFO, which uh, touches on the initiatives to improve the audit outcome. And in relation to, I will just uh, address in relation to performance information. Uh, yes, the, the, the other slide was fine, uh, Fadla. To indicate that our executive authority uh, did uh, engage with the Auditor General uh, really just to get a better insight and understanding of some of the root causes relating to uh, our challenges, but also to seek uh, to seek advice, uh, expert advice in this regard. And we did get a few recommendations from the AG, uh, including uh, 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 that we should consider doing a, a pre-review and some kind of a mini pre-audit uh, before the final audit, uh, so that we get to learn more of the challenges and try and address and resolve. I've spoken to issues of digitization and automation of systems and how they then assist in terms of ensuring accessibility of information so that we avoid the delays that have been experienced in the audit process. Revision of indicators to meet the SMART criteria. We've looked at the DPME comments where we've subjected our plan to their scrutiny and we've considered most of their recommendations in this area, but also subjected to some experts where we had temporary in-house experts trying to assist us in the so, sorry, Mr. Kiyose. Um, members, um, I think this is, I think there is going to be uh, some changes in terms of an approach to what we had earlier agreed on. We had agreed that uh, we are going to start with annual performance plans and then we go to the issues we raised uh, last time. But it's quite clear from the presentation that uh, they are integrated uh, to, to, to the presentation, uh, the responses to the issues that we raised and what, what is supposed to be done. So there are, two, there are two ways to deal with this. Either we can maybe add some few minutes to Mr. Giose to touch on the issues so that we can just have one discussion um, at the end of the presentation and then we don't have to deal with APPs and then after the APPs we go to the, to the issues that were raised, which is my first preference. 
or we can say Mr. Giosa just stick to the APP and the budgets, then we'll come back to this. Which one is much more favorable, members? Yes, what, yeah? Honorable Swart. Okay. I, I support your view that we should allow the Commission to make their full presentation and give additional time now to touch on those issues which um, which we asked for reports on, given that a lot of it is integrated, as you pointed out, and then we can engage on the whole presentation and what we asked for reporting on in one session. Thank you, Jen. Thank you very much. Is there a contrary view? Oh, we have Honorable Newport uh, Strachans. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, I was just supporting your first view that seeing as the issues are already integrated in the presentation, then we should take your first suggestion. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Newport Drachens. Honorable Glenn Spreckenbach. Uh, th thank you, Chair. I'm covered. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, members, can we add 15 minutes uh, to this presentation in addition to the 30 minutes so that they are able to deal uh, comprehensively with the issues of audit improvement, and then we can have a comprehensive discussion. Is that in order? Yes, Jay. Thank you very much, Honorable Newport Rahans. No, sorry, Chair. Um, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine, thanks. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Giyose? And Thank so, you. yes, so you will be able, so we have added 15 minutes, which will uh, also include the presentation of the budget uh, to your presentation. And we also noted that we took about two minutes uh, in our discussions. So we should be done by uh, 9.47. Thank you, Chair, much appreciated. Uh, to proceed then, in relation to the performance information section of the audit uh, improvement initiatives, we then also are in the process of uh, procuring services of experts into the new financial year, uh, ready to enhance uh, in terms of our internal auditing uh, uh, function uh, looking at performance information. We do also have uh, institutionalized uh, internally quarterly performance information workshops uh, with all staff noting that some of the challenges really uh, uh, kind of uh, come come all the way from the bottom uh, where uh, staff are, are handling uh, the, the, the information. Uh, so we continuously provide uh, an assessment and provide feedback as to areas of improvement. And lastly, on this one uh, is the establishment of a cross-functional task team where we're taking an approach that says uh, we should be looking at these issues as institution-wide issues that are a responsibility of everyone and therefore a multifunctional task team uh, that looks at assessing, advising and acting on, 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 on resolution of uh, existing audit findings. At this point, Chair, thank you. My section, I will then hand over to the acting CFO to continue with the audit improvement initiatives relating to the other aspects uh, relating to procurement uh, issues and so on. And then she will move on to conclude uh, with the budget uh, in the presentation. Thanks, Chair. Uh, Laurie, over to you, through you, Chair. 
Thank you very much, Mr. Kiyosa. Thank you. Good morning, Chairperson, members of the committee. Um, do I need to show my video? Or I think for bandwidth, let I'll just carry on. Thank you. Padla, if we can go to the Sorry, next if you can just if you can just so that we can see your face quickly and then oh, no, 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 no problem. Um, great, thanks. Thank you, thanks. Thank you. Following on the, from the previous engagement with the committee, these slides show the improvement initiatives undertaken, understanding that these initiatives did begin later on in the year. Following on from the retirement of the Head of Corporate Services, a replacement is being sought. Recruitment for a permanent CFO is an advanced stage. The SCM transactions have been re-reviewed from the beginning of the financial year to identify and record any Ms. Lord, Ms. What, what do you mean by an advanced stage? We want specifics. Thank you. I believe that the um the the interviews have have did take place. The shortlisting also took place. And I think it was last week or the week before, the shortlisted candidates were um, had undergone the testing. So I'm sure CEO could give us further um, updates. But so, yes, it would be just waiting for the test results and then for the um, secretary to make a recommendation. Thank you. Okay, can proceed. Thank you. Um, if we look at um, number four, the current after the um, reassessment of the transactions that have already occurred, the current transactions are being closely monitored. And then at a at a high level, a high level consultant was appointed to the supply chain unit to further assist in closing of the year and um, the work in quarter four. And the, there is a turnaround, as we saw, the turnaround plan for the supply chain unit is included in the APP for the 22-23 year. Thank you. If I'd like to move. Thank you. Furthermore, recommendations from the last control committee um, were being reviewed by the acting CFO's um, office for implementation. The structure and the flow of the last control committee is being reviewed to improve efficiencies. And the HR processes are ongoing where required as investigations are being finalized. If we can then move please to the budget 22-23, we'll see that um, the funds available for spend in, in 2022-23 year is made up of the National Treasury grant of 208 million, the expected income from interest of 1 million, and also then the 2020-21 National Treasury approved surplus rollover of 11 million, which has largely been directed towards starting or finalizing special projects. This then gives us a total of 220.5 million available for spend. On the next slide, 
we are reminded that in order to make our funds reach further since the 2019-20 financial year, our cost-saving measures have included the freezing of posts that have become available through natural attrition, the embarking on an organisational redesign, and then the reducing of the square meterage of our new head office space. In the next slide, we see the um, allocation of the funds available for 2022-23 between the personnel costs and then the various business units, as well as the percentages per unit that was allocated to them of the entire budget. It's just a high-level slide. Our next slide shows us that the, um, the significant costs of the makeup of the budget are really around the personnel costs, then the um, corporate support as well as administrative costs, and then obviously the balance going to core operations. Also, if we look at the percentage, sorry, just if we can go back. If we look at the percentage of the budget, of the total to the, the budget of this year, we see in the very last column the, the comparison to what it was last year, and it's, it's, it's quite stable in its allocation percentages. Thank you. This slide really then is a summary of the following four slides, and it shows per programs of administration, the promotion of human rights, the protection of human rights and the monitoring of human rights, the allocation of budget in percentage form, which is then further broken down between personnel costs and operational costs allocation. The slides that follow are the further breakdown of each program into the business units that they compose of and then the further breakdown of how the budget allocations were made. In that within that program to these units. That really is a high-level overview of the budget allocation expected in line with the APP and the operational plan for 2022-23. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, any closing remarks, Chairperson? Thank you, uh, Chairperson. Yes, I just wanted to highlight that um, if, as commissioners, we also um, seriously wanted to know what are the causes of the, um, the, the, the decline or the, you know, in, in our audit outcomes. And we, we had a very extensive meeting with the team from the Auditor General's uh, office. And um, we understood that um, on the financial side, really, there wasn't much uh, uh, concern, but it was on the compliance side that um, there was um, um, problem and, and, and concern. Um, among others, um, you know, there was a need um, when, when they uh, addressed us, they, they pointed out that there was a need for a greater role played by the um, executive authority for purposes of the PFMA, um, which we are um, putting in, in, in place. They then also um, 
highlighted the, the need that uh, senior managers should be uh, held accountable so that the remedial plans uh, can be implemented, you know. Um, then uh, there was the issue of, of consequence management um, that they also highlighted, which is, is something that uh, we are also looking at. We have also um, uh, had meetings with the audit committee um, and, and realized that actually there should have been a, a much closer working relationship between the audit committee and the commissioners. And we have uh, therefore agreed that, um, you know, uh, going forward, there is going to be a, a greater uh, working relationship between uh, the um, the audit committee and the uh, and, and the uh, and the commissioners. Um, we we are monitoring what's happening in uh, um, uh, corporate services, especially uh, uh, supply chain management, and we doing the best we can to um, see uh, how that can be uh, improved. Um, the, the CEO did get somebody in to, to look at all our transactions and to see where uh, the, the, there may be issues or, or, or problems uh, so that those could be fixed if it is still possible to do so before the, the, the coming audit. And so we, that process seems to have been finished. And, and so we're looking forward to um, uh, maybe a better outcome in terms of, of the audits uh, this year. Uh, thank you very much, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson, uh, Professor Machola. Uh, members, that is the report from the South African Human Rights Commission on the audit uh, outcomes on the EPP and the budget. Um, I have the following hands, Honorable Glennis Breitenbach, Honorable Werner Horn, Honorable Belmani Wood-Truchan, Honorable Stephen Swart, in that order. Uh, thank you, Honorable Chair. Good morning, and good morning to everybody. Um, I would like to know uh, what the position currently is with the uh, Chief Financial Officer at the Human Rights Commission. Um, as far as I'm aware, it's, it's another acting Chief Financial Officer, and I'd like to know why this is and, and why a permanent appointment has not been made, and, whether, and what steps are being taken proactively to, to deal with the fact that the CEO's term is about to come to an end, has this position been advertised or people being looked at to fill this position on a permanent basis. Do we have a perennial problem here with um, acting positions or vacant positions? Then um, I'd like to know whether the audit committee has met to deal with the concerns that were raised by the committee and the auditor general. And if so, what progress can be reported uh, in detail, please, uh, to develop um, to, to, do, to, to deal with the, uh, the concerns raised. And if no such meetings have been held, why not? Uh, and then, um, Chair, I'd like to also know um, whether any action has been taken to improve the accuracy of performance reporting 
and, and record keeping? And if so, what, what particular action has been taken? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Plenus Breitenbach, Honorable Wernerhorn. Yeah, thank you. Uh, good morning, Chair. Um, with your permission, I'll also just show my face and then for the sake of bandwidth, switch off my camera. Um, yes, Chair, um, in addition to what the Honorable Breitenbach have, has, has raised, I want to uh, uh, focus more with your permission on the, um, let's say, the constitutional obligations of the Human Rights Commission as reflected in their performance plans. Um, and ultimately, uh, single out quite possibly the whole issue of access to clean water um, and maybe in addition to that, um, the constitutional right South Africans enjoy to have access to, to food um, and, and uh, get some feedback from the Human Rights Commission in respect of how they see themselves um, monitoring this aspect in, in the year and years to come. Um, on the issue of water, Chair, I don't think it's, it's, it's hyperbole to say that Quite possibly, our country is is facing a, a a crisis in respect of the ability of of government, who has the sole authority and responsibility to give access to clean water to to our people on a on a sustainable basis. So more or less everywhere, one uh, one is made aware of local governments failing to, to manage water supply in such a manner that, that communities have a, a continuous and, and uh, a reasonable access to water. So I know the Human Rights Commission has undertaken hearings in Mpumalanga. Um, that, of course, uh, may be part of a broader plan, and I would like to hear from them, from them if the Mpumalanga hearings is then supposed to, to, to kickstart or to enable a, uh, a systemic report when and, and what the process going forward is. Because quite clearly, if one looks towards Section 184 of the Constitution, Recording in progress. In terms of a raw water supply, um, in order to make, to, to, to enable government to ultimately give that access. And whether in terms of 184 uh, two, uh, that there is a, a, sim, a simultaneous process unfolding on a broader level, looking at the, the, the measures government has over the years taken in respect of those resources 
financial and natural in order to, to monitor this. Similarly, uh, Chair, in, in respect of the environment, um, one took note at some stage of the Human Rights Commission uh, taking the Mzunduzi municipality on around the waste management, uh, solid waste management, um, and, and the fact that their, their management facilities did not adhere to legislative requirements around the environment. But we also know that this is similarly something with which local governments countrywide is more and more uh, struggling to, to achieve something that, that can remotely look at, at managing waste in such a way that the environment is not impacted on and therefore the quality of life of citizens. So I want to know from that exercise in Mzunduzi, what, what, is, what is unfolding from there on a broader level? Um, so in essence, Chair, uh, from where I'm sitting, the, the struggle is this. Uh, uh, our constitutional court, as, pre as previously in respect of another Chapter 9 institution, said that that, that Chapter 9, and by extension all Chapter 9s, is, is what it was called an invaluable gift to the nation in order to, to achieve the, the attainment of, of human rights. And, and the difficulty I'm, I'm having, Chair, is that in terms of the most basic of rights, um, I don't see the Human Rights Commission um, either in practice or through this APP positioning themselves to ultimately be that, that watchdog about how government and governments is, is, is dealing with the available resources in order to, to, to achieve that. So, so if that specific comment can be addressed, I would be thankful. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Horn. Honorable Newport, Crossan. Thank you, Chairperson. Good morning to everyone. And also good morning to the commissioners on the platform from this South African Human Rights Commission. Thank you for the presentation. I'd like to add to what Honorable uh, Breitenbach said with regard to the CFO. I just wanted to know, maybe I wasn't clear earlier, who's been acting as the CFO for this time until, you know, while we were waiting for the appointment of a new CFO? And then secondly, I believe that your hearings in KwaZulu-Natal, the commission had public hearings in KwaZulu-Natal with regard to um, the, up, the, the, the uprising in July. Uh, is that report out from those hearings? I just wanted to know what the outcome is and an update with regards to the unrest, what caused the unrest, what leaded uh, or led to um, that. So if the Human Rights Commission does have a report out on that, then I also wanted to know the translation of your papers and books, the translation um, uh, to, to, to digitize them, sorry, the digitization of, of that. Um, have you already started that or um, is it still to be done? 
Then the moot court, I say, I see in October there will be a moot court in um, this year, October. Is it going to be uh, in person or is it going to be virtual? And I see the complaints finalized 3,000, but that um, decreased from the year, you know, over the years. So I just wanted to to know um, why the decrease um, previously it used to be 7,000. So um, why is there a decrease? Is it because people are, are complaining less or what is the reason? Then the equity court, I'm becoming concerned about the functionality of the equity court or the equality court. Um, I know the Department of Justice or the OCJ is also doing some work for the equality court. Does the Human Rights Commission um, partner with the department um, to look at the equality court and the functionality of the court? Then um, the UN Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities, uh, the implementation of that convention. Is the Human Rights Commission continuing monitoring the implementation? I also want to know, uh, do we have the funds to be able to do the implementation for the year 22-23? And then I also really want to raise a concern. I, I need to be careful on how I word it because um, I'm not going to say which government department and which province this happened or this is happening. I'm becoming increasingly worried that with the department's budgets being cut, they are also trying to, um, when it comes to organizations for disabled people, to get, getting them to try and get rid of the staff who are deaf, who are working in these NGOs. I've always been proud that in this developing state, we have people with disabilities, especially organizations for people with disabilities or of people with disabilities, governments um, is funding them, which empowers people with disabilities or people who are deaf. But I've been noticing that there, there's going to be, and I hope I'm wrong, I really hope that I'm wrong, there's going to be a tendency that with the budget cuts <clears throat> that the department want to force um, NGOs to get rid of their deaf staff and replace them with hearing people in the organizations where there are already deaf people. So, so those organizations who already have deaf staff need to practice unfair labor practices. So they do unfair labor practices to the deaf staff to get rid of them. How, I, I'm not sure, but the departments are demanding that organizations replace the deaf staff with hearing staff. Now, that's a violation of human rights. <clears throat> and I want to know how the Human Rights Commission really monitors departments and what, you know, when things become vague, um, they're trying to get rid of staff with disabilities, replacing them with staff who are not disabled. And I'm hoping that the Deaf Federation of South Africa brings this case up with the Human Rights Commission more in detail, but I'm becoming increasingly concerned about that. Um, I think that's now, that's, that's all for now. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable Newbold Strickland. That is very serious. Uh, it needs to be followed up. 
maybe would also uh, be in contact with the South African Human Rights Commission even after this uh, engagement. That is very serious. At least we need to verify that it does exist. And if it exists, then the government needs to act on it. Yes, Chair. Uh, Thanks. Thank you very much. Um, we will have also engagement with yourselves and uh, to find out uh, much, uh, in fact, details around this issue and because it, it really needs to be dealt with. Honorable Swart. Thank you, Chair, and greetings to the Commission and the Chairperson. I will turn off the camera just for connectivity issue with your permission, Chair. Thank you. So, firstly, thank you for the, um, for the presentation, and we appreciate that the Commission has tried to address the concerns that were raised about the uh, audit and the way of trying to sort that out going forward. So, Chair, I appreciate that, um, mm -hmm. that we will be closely monitoring that aspect as we go forward, and uh, particularly some of the remarks that were made, such as the AG said it had been unable to find records proving that the Commission had actually done what it claimed to have done, an ICT-related issue. So we appreciate uh, the report back from the Commission that they are doing their very best to look into these issues, and this is something we obviously will need to closely monitor from our perspective. We also appreciate the investigation into the causes of the July 2021 riots. That is an ongoing uh, issue, and we've been uh, following that in, in the uh, media. Uh, we appreciate what the Commission is doing in that regard. And then also related to that, we understand that the Commission will be playing quite an important role in monitoring of the flood relief issues. Maybe the Commissioner could give us some update as part of the broader Chapter 9 monitoring. There's very uh, deep concern about the possibility of misappropriation funding, or uh, I think what's mentioned in, in some of the reports is related to banks, uh, on where there's defaulting on home loans, etc., like that. Um, just monitoring human rights abuses that might take place in, in that regard. The, uh, the third aspect relates to whistleblower protection. I would just like to hear from the Commission to what degree, whilst it's not directly relevant to them, but to what degree are they also looking into this issue. And then, Chair, we no I noticed that, there's, that whilst some of the APPs are increased, some of have been removed, and one of the issues, um, it's, it's quite a mixed bag. Some are good changes, other maybe not so good. And the negative one is the significant reduction in the number of complaints and inquiries to be finalized. Now, two years ago, I think it was 7,000. That was reduced to 5,000, and, uh, and it's now 3,000. Um, and I'd like an explanation for that. And we are cognizant of budgetary constraints. We really are cognizant as Parliament because we're the ones that appropriate budget. We appreciate the, 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 the fact that your budget has been cut. This could be a reason for that, but that's quite a significant reduction given that a few years ago, the complaints was up to 7,000 and we are seeing an increasing number of human rights breaches taking place. And obviously one would like an explanation 
for that report. Then, Chair, I'd like to address the issue of the Section 184.3 reports that organs of state are supposed to provide to the SA Human Rights Commission on realization of rights in terms of the Bill of Rights. And this touches on what Mr. Horn said as well. Issues related to housing, healthcare, food, water, social security, education, environment. Now we understand from 1997, there are approximately nine reports, but from 2013, there's been no overarching reports, or maybe they haven't been forwarded to us. They might well have been forwarded to Parliament, but we do appreciate probably the greatest challenge from the Commission's perspective is that organs of state are not providing those reports. So I'd like to hear what progress has been made in that regard and how we as the Portfolio Committee could possibly help the Commission or, or maybe even refer this to the office in the, the, the Speaker's office that helps Chapter 9 institutions. When one then considers the, the broader issues, uh, Mr. Horn referred to water. I'd like to touch on the issue of food security and with an appreciation that we have high levels of poverty and inequality in the nation. And according to recent reports, up to 6 million people are under-resourced when it comes to food, uh, basically are starving. And what is concern I raised yesterday in Parliament was in the first two months of this year, 199 children have died of malnutrition. And whether the Commission is looking into this issue, given the fact that South Africa is a net exporter of food, and there is obviously a challenge now with the Ukrainian and Russian war, with supply chains, fertilizer, etc. And we also know now with KZN, with the planting season due to the floods, there could be an issue related to food security. I would appreciate whether the Commission would also be looking into this issue. Lastly, Chair, I would like to raise the issue that was broadly in the media, and I'm grateful for the Commission, in particular, the Gauteng Office for inviting any persons in the workplace that have been discriminated against for not being vaccinated for COVID-19 and who have lost their jobs to approach the Commission. And at one stage, I think you had a, a, a large number of people approaching. I'd like an update on in that regard, given the fact that government itself does not require mandatory vaccinations for COVID-19. And I appreciate the work that has been done in that regard. We have been overwhelmed by people, whether for medical or other reasons, or religious reasons, do not want to be vaccinated and find that they are losing their jobs or being discriminated against in the job environment. And that then leads me to the issue relating to the regulations in terms of the Health Act that have just been implemented implemented from the 4th of May, and there is widespread unhappiness about the way these regulations purportedly to deal with COVID-19, but seemingly to continue the disaster management regulations under the guise of health regulations have been promulgated and have been uh, enacted. In fact, they are enforced at the moment, but there's a 90-day period to comment, and I see it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And whether, and what is an additional concern is Parliament has no role to play in the contents of those regulations. Whether the Commission itself is looking into this issue and will the Commission 
uh, undertake or consider making submissions on the contents of those regulations relating to various issues such as gathering, such as mask wearing, such as extension of powers to the executive without parliamentary oversight, which have a severe impact on constitutional rights and which have caused widespread unhappiness, whether the commission would consider commenting or making a submission on that. Thank you, Chair. You've allowed me some time. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Horn, Honorable Swart. Um, I think one of the issues you raised, I think it was also raised by one of the honorable members, I think honorable uh, Nivot Tuchan. It's about the targets that have been reduced uh, in as far as uh, complaints are concerned. What is disturbing is that um, every time you reduce a target uh, in terms of performance, you perform more than what you had targeted. And now a person can have a view which might be mistaken that you are continuously reducing these targets in order to far achieve them. And there might be issues of budget, but we are concerned that within the last three years, you have reduced targets by more than by more than uh, uh, 100%, close to 100% uh, reduction in terms of those targets. Uh, I think we need to really explain as to, as to what is happening there. Um, I also have some few questions uh, on my side. I must say, uh, before I ask those questions, that um, I am concerned that um, close to 50% of your target are expressed in percentages. I think it makes us, it makes it very difficult for us to, to be able to, to oversight you properly without details. And I will explain in a moment when we go to each of those um, targets that I expressed uh, in percentage uh, format. Um, one of the targets that would I would like to get some details on is the is the target on the functionality of equality courts. Uh, this target was there in 2021-2022 financial year, but the commission does not provide details of uh, or focus on the functionality and effectiveness of equality courts. And then in the 2022-2023 APP, you do not provide any further information on how the commission intends to monitor the implementation of CRPD. If we can get an explanation on that. Then you have this 80% implementation of the ICT plan for 2022 or 2023. Um, but when you look at the, at the targets and what you say, you say that one of your strengths is a stable information and technology, and technology environment. But on the same breath, you say the weakness, it's outdated and ineffective ICT system. 
can you be in a position to explain as to what appears to be a contradiction um, um, between the strength and weaknesses um, and give us a breakdown, even if it's not today, on what are the elements of deliverables you would have to achieve the 80% implementation of the ICT plan. And what is this organizational culture renewal plan? And what are its deliverables? Um, do you have an automated performance planning and reporting as the, as the commission? And then there's also a reduction which at first value we would think that it's, it's, it is influenced by budget cutting, but I'm also concerned about the huge reduction. Your number of strategic impact litigation in 2021, 2022, you provided for 15. And then for 2022, 2023, you have reduced them to three. If we can get an explanation and then also on this issue, what, what are you intending to achieve with these MOUs with universities? Um, because we want to send quite a number of them, but what are you intending to achieve with this, uh, with this, uh, with this uh, uh, MOUs? And over to you, Chairperson. Oh, okay, the last one, it's this 80% implementation of the human capital management. We would also like to get the details um, um, of the deliverables uh, so that we are, we are also able to, to, when you come back, if you say you have achieved 90%, we can be able to look at the deliverables that you said you'll be able to achieve and be able to ascertain whether indeed it is 90% or 100% or 80% or 50%. Thank you very much, Chair, over to you. Um, thank you, uh, Chairperson and members of the Portfolio Committee. Um, there's quite a number of questions. What I would like to um, um, get your permission for is that uh, I um, distribute the questions as, as asked. Uh, for example, the last question on the human capital management, I'd like to ask the CEO to deal with maybe, that question. Maybe, Chair, maybe what we can do to refer to you and to the commissioners. Uh, let's allow you five minutes and we come back at 16 minutes past 10 so that you can be able to caucus with your commissioners and members of the executive. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. May, may then the um, uh, commissioners and staff of the commission stay on so that we can use the same platform to discuss. Okay. So other members, can they go and drink tea?
on coffee. Thank you, Chairperson. Colleagues, um, we've got a number of questions I've tried to uh, take down as, as, as much as I can. Um, obviously, I have missed some of the questions. Um, Chair, can I intervene? Yes. Yes, we've got uh, Lucky here. Lucky will deal with the HR matters and then uh, all of them. And then uh, Zolira is also here in case there's anything else around uh, audit committee and stuff like that. Uh, the only question which I'm not sure how we'll deal with is the one for the Houting and COVID-19. Uh, I, yeah, I can deal with the issues around the whistleblowers. Uh, yeah, but I, I would like to, I, I'd like just to mark them off because we okay. don't have time. When you say all the questions, then it means I've got to go back and so on. Unless okay. you, 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 you identify each question so that I can mark it off. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, Chair, I mean, I took notes on all the questions, so uh, maybe we can start from there. Uh, I mean, there was the first question on the on the position of the CFO. Who answers yes. that? Lucky. I I can talk to that with Lucky as well, unless Lucky wants to take. Okay, let let's say you speak on that one, yes. and then um, then the second one about the CEO's position. I speak uh, on that. Okay, chair. And then uh, progress made. Um, with the audit committee, I can also speak with that if I understood the question well. But somebody can... Yes, um, Chair. We, we can also beef up on that one, me and Zolile. Uh, maybe Zolile oh, then. Zolile. Oh, okay, then perhaps then Zolile can speak yes. on that one. And then there's issue about vacant positions. Um, I wasn't sure as to what it means, uh, Chair. From the from Plenis Breitenberg. Uh, well, I, I did whether, whether it's, it's all vacant positions in the commission or not. Lucky, I hope you are listening to that one. Yeah, they, uh, I, I understood it to be that, that there are problems with too many vacant positions. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then Lucky can also brief on that one, Chair. Yeah, and, and then, then um, the accuracy uh, of re reporting. Yeah, they, they, they said what are specifically done for performance reporting and record keeping to improve that. Yeah. yeah. Chair, see, I can speak, speak, see, I can speak to that because that was really about performance uh, audits. And then, uh, and also, of course, the whole plan around digitization uh, was meant to speak to that. So I would say, see, and Zolile. The, the, the question about digitization was from who? It's accuracy of performance reporting by Glennis yeah. Bellenberg. Oh, okay. That was the last question she made. Yeah, so I then, can speak to that and, and, and Zolile. And then access to clean water, Commissioner Anduli, would you want to come in there? Yes, Chairperson, uh, I can come in. Good morning, colleagues. I could come in on that and also some of the linkages between that and questions around monitoring. Thanks. Thank you. Um, and then... Um, it also dealt with food access to clean water and food and food i don't know who deals with the food one that will be a bit of a challenge chair <laughs> unless colleagues 
can pull out something out of the head. I'm not sure how much we've done around issues of food security. Can can we then say we will send them a written answer? Commissioner Spagion here, Chair. I don't see him. And environment. Yeah. Well, Chair, I think we can say that since Commissioner Spagion is not here, uh, he'll be better placed to his focal area on food and environment. We can come up with something there. Okay. And then uh, um, MP Will, William Wilma Newford talked about the CFO. Uh, I guess that will uh, also link be, to it. Before we get there, um, there was the issue about Section 80, 184. 184. Yes. 184.2. Commissioner, you'll speak to that chairperson. I don't remember what was the question exactly. What are we doing around Section oh. 184? Is it an opportunity and how do we assist government, including linked to issues yeah. of what as well? But then about our monitoring system, section 184. Yeah. Okay. He went as far as to say that it it doesn't see the commission through the APP is positioning itself as a watchdog to address these most basic Mm. rights, which is quite a bit of an accusation. So we we will have to try and Mm. answer that. Okay. And then Draken talked about the acting CFO. Um, it's the same, I think, as, as at the top there. And then Commissioner Gam, you'll deal with, so Lucky will deal with the CFO. And then uh, Commissioner Gam, you deal with the unrest hearing where we are. And then digitization, who deals with that? CEO? CEO and the Zunile. And the CEO, if she's here, I didn't see the CEO. And then Moot Court, Commissioner Gown. I will deal with it, but I'm just not sure what our plan is exactly at the moment. Will it be virtual <coughs> or in person? Well, we are still going to take a decision, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then CEO, the one, on, it, the one on the decrease so in complaints. Chair, if I can just come in, colleagues, I'd just like to notify you that we are not alone in this room as the Commission. Uh, the members of the portfolio committee are also uh, with us. Uh, we did not go into a breakaway. Thanks. Thank you. Um, can can we can we then um, go to uh, the decrease uh, in complaint? The, even the chair also raised this. Who deals with this one? Siasanga. Siasanga we can talk to that chair. Uh, we can support as well where the gaps. It's really about uh, us moving more towards a more impact uh, yeah. approach than the, yeah, but also issues of carrying capacity. We can't do it. And, and then the equal, thank you. The equality court, is it um, um, deputy chair? <clears throat> Sorry, chair, I'm having a problem with my mic but I will deal with the equality courts. And I'm wondering if I could take a stab at food security um, as well okay. in far as we deal with it in the Okay, uh, all right. Quality. Yeah. And then Commissioner Malaji, uh, this year. Can I also, can also add that we could also then talk a little bit about the MOU with CALS around the equality courts. Yeah. Uh, the DC can also talk about that one. Okay. Um, Commissioner Malaji, CRPD, 
Is the chair of the portfolio committee trying to come in, chair? Oh, okay. Um, morning. Morning, uh, yes. Yes, we, we have given you an extra four minutes, chair. Yes. Um, well, let, let us try to, uh, chair, to, to answer the, the, the questions um, as we go along. Um, okay. Um, a good morning to the deputy chair. I thought uh, she was not in. Uh, I just saw her when she was speaking now. Uh, good morning and welcome deputy chairperson of the South African Human Rights Commission. Thank you very much, uh, chairperson, and to members, good morning as well. Thank you very much. Um, over to you, uh, uh, Professor Machola, Chairperson of the South African Human Rights Commission. Thank you, Chair. I will um, first ask uh, the CEO to talk about the uh, position of the CFO. Um, and then um, the progress made uh, with regard to the audit committee, uh, our internal auditor. Uh, Zolile will speak to that, and then the accuracy of reporting, Mr. Siasanga will speak on that in that in that order, and then we'll go to the next set of questions. Please. Proceed. Uh, thank you, Chairperson and honorable members of the committee. Uh, as you are aware, our CFO resigned uh, last year due, due to a uh, death of a husband. We then uh, um, appointed an acting uh, CFO following um, our engagements with yourselves uh, to help us basically to respond to many of the challenges uh, in our audit uh, issues. And that acting CFO was actually uh, 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 a member of the AG's office, which actually audited the commission uh, two years ago, uh, who has then moved into private practice. He joined us up until uh, this week. And then we have then also advertised uh, the post of the acting uh, of the CFO. And we did interviews and uh, colleagues then went for a competency uh, test uh, uh, this week, the last week. And then uh, we're still expecting uh, more people uh, to, to to other candidates to go for uh, the competency test. Uh, I'm told the last dates which we have here are 6, 10, and 13 in May. So once that is done, uh, we'll then get the results and then uh, then make a recommendation to commissioner uh, to fill uh, the post accordingly. Can I also add, uh, Chair, that you know we've also uh, following, of course, our engagements with the AG. Uh, to assist us in how we can improve our audits. We also appointed someone else to assist uh, to deal with the issues of supply chain, uh, who's here until May, uh, the end of May this month, uh, to assist us in that is also a CA. So basically we've got two, two, two CAs to help us uh, deal with the issues uh, of the audit uh, since uh, last time we met. Uh, and yeah, the last one will be leaving at, at the end of May and we're hoping that we'll be able to fill the appointment uh, very soon of the CFO. Meanwhile, we then asked our uh, financial officer, Ms. Laurie, to act uh, as a CFO until we fill those posts. Thank you, Chair. 
Thank you, CEO. May I ask Zolile to come in on the question on the audit committee? Please, quickly. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Good morning, uh, Chair of the Portfolio and all the members and commissioners. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, let me briefly show my face. Ah, okay. okay. Yes, um, yes, there were a number of issues raised by the audit committee, but I will touch amongst others, um, uh, which, which also talk to the issues that you've raised around uh, accuracy of record keeping and completeness of, of, of the evidence. So, so what, what has been done or what we've also been driving on our site is internal audit we have encouraged the commission to use a, a platform called OneDrive, uh, which is a Microsoft platform, which is on cloud, whereby colleagues could uh, submit uh, evidence, share with, with us, and then we're able to audit the evidence, even if it's remotely. So we, we've been doing that in this current financial year, particularly for performance information, because also our audit um, plan was focused more on performance information. So, so, so we're able to, to audit the evidence that have been received and given feedback to colleagues in terms of issues around accuracy and completeness, uh, particularly for quarter one and two. Um, but obviously, because of uh, we also challenged with capacity, uh, capacity issues, we're not able to do that exercise for the rest of the quarters. But however, we've given feedback to, to the colleagues to improve on those areas. Um, and, and also, we, we also working hand in hand with the SSNG, that's uh, our strategic support and governance unit that is uh, led by Mr. Siasanga. So, so whom also use our report to try and, and, and improve more on these record keepings. And then also another issue that I would like to touch on was um, the SCM compliance issues, which also were raised by, by the AG. Um, what, what, what we've, we've noted there, I think the CEO has touched on the contract personnel that has been appointed to assist in terms of the, the, the evidence as well, the records. And the colleagues have been very helpful. And we've also raised a couple of issues around there and given them feedback and they were able to go back and, and, and try and source the missing evidence. But, but the main issue there uh, from our side, what we've, we've picked up as is the main root cause was, was our current system, our SCM system, which, which is not able to, to, to keep all the evidence and, and initiatives were taken to, to try and replace that system. But I think we'll be able to finalize that process during early this year, Jefferson. I think I will, I will stop there for now. Uh, thank you. May I proceed, Chair? Okay. Yeah, th thank you. Thank you, Zolile. You, you seem to have covered the issue uh, of um, uh, uh, records uh, inventory in, in a way. Yes, continue, uh, Siasanga. Thank you, Chair. In relation to the accuracy of uh, reported performance information, we have uh, sourced a temporary support uh, in the form of an official who is going to pay particular attention and focus on the reported performance information almost on a daily basis, whereby they do a review 
of uh, supplied evidence or so aligning reported information to supplied evidence and then interacting back with the reporting uh, units uh, in order to ensure that uh, any mishaps are corrected. We then do engagements uh, at the level of senior management, but also with uh, responsible staff in terms of uh, quarterly assessments and feedback as to where the areas of challenge are uh, with the reported information. We have reviewed our quarter one to quarter three information and um, are currently working on the annual report uh, preparation uh, information. And in that regard, we are also closely uh, assessing uh, this information through the use of this uh, temporary support uh, official who is sitting with the information on a on a daily basis and we are in constant engagements uh, with the responsible uh, kind of managers uh, in this regard to correct where we we will identify any gaps there are still some challenges uh, chair and committee members and some of these challenges really would relate to the fact that at the time of some of the issues being raised, we had already in the past uh, approved uh, or completed on our annual performance plan, uh, which is the previous annual performance plan. So whatever challenges relate to that one may still uh, uh, be seen through uh, into this one because the only opportunity to correct them was into this new this new APP. So there may still be those kinds of challenges. However, we are paying a very close attention in terms of focusing on the current uh, annual report information. Uh, thank you, Chair. Thank you, Siasanga. Uh, uh, May I ask uh, Commissioner Ntudli to come in, please? On the question of water and the questions thank raised you. by the uh, Honorable. Thank you very much, Chairperson. I'll have my video just uh, to greet and with your permission, Chairperson, I'll switch it off and uh, therefore speak to questions relating to water and the provision of our water services, but also as it links to the broader questions around the Commission's thinking and plans regarding our monitoring function. Chairperson and members of the Portfolio Committee, we have indeed um, been thinking more closely around the question of monitoring, particularly as it pertains to the performance and capacity of our local government to deliver services and thereby protect and promote human rights. In as far as uh, those uh, thinking processes have gone, we have been looking closely at legislation as well as our policy. In looking at, for example, the white paper on local government, which uh, helps us then to think around questions of accountability as it pertains to the performance of local government. We um, understand that the white paper on local government suggests that national government needs to develop an overall framework for a system of monitoring and oversight across the various institutions that perform monitoring functions on local government. And this includes the South African Human Rights Commission, but also Parliament. Uh, a single system developed by national government would ensure compatibility, uniformity, and consistency across these various institutions that are tasked with the monitoring and oversight. And towards this end, we understand, Chairperson, that the national government has introduced this uh, government-wide monitoring and evaluation system 
which uh, mainly uh, is a key milestone in the long-term public service reform uh, since 94, because it encourages uh, some kind of integration and, and, and articulation across and within the spheres of government uh, guided by this framework. Uh, following this uh, government-wide monitoring and evaluation framework is uh, then the role of premier's officers uh, in uh, ensuring the monitoring of local government. And as far as that is concerned, the Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation has uh, issued in 2008 a good practice guide to help us understand uh, the role of the premier's officers in uh, the monitoring function. We, as the South African Human Rights Commission, are adjoined to this process, uh, particularly by Section 1841C, as well as uh, 1841.3 of uh, the Constitution. Whereas, uh, particularly, this guide on the role of premier's offices and provincial governments uh, in local government uh, is concerned, it emphasizes the task and responsibility of these provincial governments to monitor the provision of basic services by municipalities. And we come in via section 1841C and 1843 uh, through the obligation to monitor and assess the observance of human rights, as well as then uh, to each year require the relevant organs of state to provide us with information uh, on the measures that they have taken towards the realization of the Bill of Rights. Similarly, um, Chairperson, the question was asked as to the role of uh, then Parliament. As far as that is concerned, uh, to this question of monitoring, particularly around this integrated system, uh, the National Assembly in particular is enjoined to this conversation by Section 55 of the Constitution, which obliges, obliges the National Assembly to provide mechanisms to maintain oversight on any organ of state. And as far as that is concerned, and particularly in relation to our APP, we are uh, we do have a program or an indicator that focuses, takes into cognizance firstly some of uh, the practices we have conducted thus far, some of which were mentioned by uh, Honourable Swart as it pertains to our efforts in uh, then uh, requesting information from government. Uh, we have had challenges, but we also have had successes over the years. And in strengthening uh, those efforts, we then are looking at engagements, uh, strengthened engagements with not just the national executive, but mainly with the provincial executive. And we are asking those critical questions around the role of uh, the, the provincial executive in then the monitoring exercise and assisting the commission, not just with the 1843 obligations uh, and responsibilities, but also then in our overall focus and processes regarding holding uh, local government accountable. Following this monitoring system that we are developing as pertains to the provincial governments, we are then looking in line with this framework that enjoins the National Assembly at what then, the question of what next, Following this information, uh, we are hope, we are we are seeing, in fact, that uh, through consistent engagement with provincial executives in then requesting those information, we are able to also expedite some of the complaints uh, that are uh, vested within the, the various provincial offices. So, 
in effect, there is some kind of monitoring and reporting contracting that is being developed between the Commission and provincial offices in service of this broader monitoring mandate and monitoring objective. Insofar as Parliament is concerned, we are looking at where to from there, uh, which of this information that we receive uh, is uh, sufficient, which is not, and that which is not, we are then exploring uh, further platforms for remedy, including the judiciary as well as, uh, as Parliament for its function and mandate of uh, oversight. And we are doing so then in service and in lieu of this uh, constitutional dialogue, which enjoins us as the Commission to these other accountability mechanisms. Uh, someone did mention earlier our work with regards to the case event response, and we are using a similar system wherein we have agreed with the provincial executive that we would have. Uh, we had initially agreed on weekly meetings, but seeing that much work needs to be done between our meetings, we are meeting on a fortnightly basis, uh, and those meetings are mainly for the purposes of holding the provincial government accountable for their own response to not just the disaster in KZN, but other broader uh, pre-existing issues surrounding service delivery and human rights in the province. Uh, we have also, as uh, Honorable Horn um, pointed out, done similar interventions at uh, the level of uh, other provinces, including Pumalanga. In Pumalanga, our approach has been to host this hearing that uh, Honorable Horn spoke to. And in response to that, uh, Honorable Horn, we are in discussions around a developing report from that um, inquiry. We foresee that a final report would be ready by at least the end of the first quarter. Our intention within that report is, uh, as it will um, come with recommendations, is to enjoin those processes to our broader thinking around how do we monitor our recommendations, how do we ensure that the recommendations of the Commission are implemented and uh, taken on by the relevant organs of state and where they are not then what is it that needs to be done about that? And we are hoping then that also our engagement with the, the provincial executives would add to ensuring that those recommendations are enhanced. Similarly, as it pertains to questions around water, we are looking at various mechanisms to address the questions of water. We are in agreement uh, with yourselves uh, as the portfolio committee that uh, the country is facing a crisis with regards to questions around water. And we are looking as a commission, then as instead of looking at the individual cases, but finding a way to have some kind of systematic response that looks at questions around historical infrastructure problems pertaining to water. And KZN offers an opportune case study. We understand that around 80% of the water infrastructure in KZN has been destroyed as a result of uh, the recent floods. Questions then um, are not just around rebuilding in the now, but it's looking at the past. How has uh, the province and the provincial government addressed questions around water infrastructure previously? What have been the challenges and in what ways can this moment assist us as a commission in better, uh, in finding better ways in which uh, we can hold mm -hmm. the state accountable to responding more effectively to questions around water? Um, and this budget uh, is in, in closing, 
relates to uh, collects again as to our recommendations. We have in other instances, as it pertains to questions around water, made recommendations such as the establishment of a water care entity by government. We understand that uh, the Department of Water and Sanitation is championing the establishment of that water entity, and we would require also then uh, the partnership and collaboration with yourselves as Parliament in ensuring that we hold them to account for the establishment uh, of such and uh, other questions regarding uh, the progressive realization of rights, including water and others, continues um, to proceed. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Andrew. Um May I then ask um, Commissioner Gao maybe to come in on the on the two questions uh, about the unrest hearing and the moot court um, competition. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Chair and honorable members of the committee. Um, yes, as far as the hearings uh, on the unrest is concerned, uh, we have made good progress in that regard. You would have seen the uh, witnesses that already testified before the commission panel consists of myself, Commissioner Tuli, and Commissioner Nissen. Uh, and these witnesses included various ministers. And I must say we had uh, quite good cooperation from government in terms of uh, the appearance of witnesses. For the very first time ever, the President of the Republic has appeared in a hearing before the Commission. There are still a few outstanding witnesses. Uh, they will, we will engage them virtually, uh, and we hope to finalize that as soon as possible. We have a dedicated report writer that has been um, released from her normal duties to uh, deal with the report writing issues uh, to also expedite the process. So the draft report would hopefully be ready by um, June for us to finalize. Uh, but there is obviously a lot of evidence to work through uh, in order to write uh, a proper report. On the matter of the moot court, uh, yes, that is a matter that we will still decide whether it will be in person or virtual as we move towards the final rounds, which is in October. Last year, we had a virtual competition. It worked very well, and I think that also uh, led to more learners participating. I was involved myself as one of the judges in the final round. And uh, this is really, uh, you know, one of our flagship projects, the moot court, and something we need to expand as we go along, uh, as uh, it reaches many schools and it really gets the human rights debate going in schools. It's a very positive project from the commission side. Thank you very much, Jay. So, so depending on, on the COVID-19 situation, um, we will uh, take the decision as to whether it should be in person or virtual as we go along. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Gaum. May I ask our CEO and uh, or Mr. Siasanga to deal with the question that was asked by two honorable members about the um, decrease in uh, the uh, complaints targets? 
And then thereafter, may I ask then the deputy chair to come in on the equality court, as well as the issue of food security. Chair, thank you. It's a COO. Um, thank you for the opportunity then to respond on the targets for complaints handling, Chair. Um, thank you very much. Chair, um, uh, of the committee and members and uh, chairperson of the commission, the decision by the commission to reduce the targets uh, has really been quite a considered one. It has been one uh, we've been grappling with. Uh, it may not be evident uh, in the past years, but has certainly now manifested uh, in the decrease that you see. Uh, and, and largely, the considerations by the commission have been around the kind of impact the commission seems, uh, seeks to achieve um, in providing redress where there are threatened violations to human rights or violations have in fact been established. Um, we also quite closely considered our own carrying capacity and then looked at how other NHRIs uh, in benchmarking have approached this problem. Um, both considerations can One, because we would prefer as a commission uh, to be dealing less with volume and more with impact. Um, and accordingly, we then decided that a shift in our priorities um, uh, would probably put us in the right direction. Um, you would then see that we increase our targets, uh, bearing in mind the complexity of the issues, um, duration, and our own resources uh, towards more Uh, so we can hear you. Ms. Chantal, we can't hear you. Sia Sanga, can you perhaps come in? Thank you, Chair. Chair, we're trying here to indicate that um, we, we, we have moved towards more qualitative kind of based um, engagement in terms of addressing uh, complaints, where we are taking a more proactive approach. So if you look at the indicator where it's, it's addressing complaints, we find that a lot of time is taken by um, for lack of better words, really what I would call um, perhaps less impactful uh, kind of uh, individual-based uh, cases, such that the resources spent there, we believe that we could more strategically and more impactfully utilize them in addressing uh, more high-impact kind of cases. Hence, the movement towards ensuring that our resources are then allocated there. That's why, for an example, on the second item in under that program, which talks to initiatives uh, to address systemic violations, we have then uh, increased our focus there. But but also the, 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 the issue being that 
for those that are impactful now, the length of time it takes to deal with them. It takes so much in terms of effort and resources, but also it takes so much time to, to, to actually resolve on those kinds of cases that are of high impact. Really, in, in the bottom line being, we would like to focus on more high impact uh, uh, elements uh, of our work. Uh, thanks, Chair. Thank you, thank you very much, um, Siasanga. May I then ask the uh, Deputy Chair to come in, please, on those two issues? Sorry, we should, oh, can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear you now. <clears throat> yeah, I'm also struggling with bandwidth uh, issues, so I've just um, shut the, the, the video. Um, Chair, if I may, with your permission, also deal with uh, the one question that was asked about uh, the environment, specifically in Sundusi, together with the two issues that uh, you have asked me to to respond to, would that be okay? Yes, that's okay, yes. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, let me then start with the Sundusi uh, uh, landfill issue. Um, on, on the broader issue that uh, Mr. Horn raises uh, regarding the oversight role of the uh, Human Rights Commission in Sophia's uh, environmental justice is concerned, let me just, uh, <clears throat> with specific reference to Msundusi, uh, uh, speak about the complementary role played by the South African Human Rights Commission regarding uh, accountability and oversight. Our very specific uh, constitutional role is monitoring and litigating when necessary. Uh, the oversight um, authority lies uh, with the legislature. Hence, um, we as a commission have a very special relationship with parliament and uh, with legislatures. Um, the Msundusi municipality uh, landfill uh, issue <clears throat> was an environmental disaster. Um, the landfill had become quite unmanageable in terms of size. It also uh, became unmanageable in terms of its content with um, chemical, medical, and other waste that should never have gone into the landfill being, um, being dumped there. Uh, and when it caught a light, the resulting um, air pollution uh, affected very seriously the uh, health of the residents uh, in its uh, immediate vicinity causing lots of health risks uh, to such an extent that um, uh, many residents had to abandon their homes uh, and uh, uh, move away uh, for, for uh, quite some time. Uh, visibility on the uh, nearby highway was affected and the hospital close by also uh, was uh, detrimentally affected. The um, South African Human Rights Commission then went to court and uh, after um, a, a period of time was successful in obtaining a structural interdict. Uh, the structural interdict basically requires the municipality to develop a, a rehabilitation plan. Uh, and uh, I must say in this regard, uh, given the um, 
uh, relationship that we have managed to forge with the uh, Provincial Department of Economic Development and Environment, um, uh, they have uh, in effect become a partner in uh, this particular project uh, regarding uh, Msundusi particularly. However, it, it's very important, uh, I think, Honorable Horn, to, to uh, raise this issue in the way that you have, uh, because the problem of waste management in the country is a growing and potential crisis. Um, we have at a national level a world-class policy based on uh, prevention of waste, reduction of waste, and as a last resort, uh, landfill. Uh, so the policy that we have, which is a pyramid-shaped uh, policy, which Parliament has passed many years ago, um, says that the last resort uh, for waste management must be uh, landfills. However, um, I think everybody here will uh, attest to the fact that most municipalities, if not all of the municipalities throughout the country, utilize landfills as the first resort. Uh, and this is not sustainable. And this is definitely not in accordance with uh, the policy that uh, Parliament has approved uh, some years ago. Um, uh, the, the amount of uh, packaging that we still find in our supermarkets, in particular plastic waste, uh, seems to be completely unregulated and um, is ultimately problematic for, for, for future sustain sustainability. Um, there is a huge gap, therefore, between uh, waste management policy uh, that we have in place and its implementation. And I think in this regard, Parliament and ourselves uh, need to forge um, a, a closer relationship to, to, to start turning things around. Uh, in regard to uh, equality courts functionality, uh, the question was very particularly, do we partner with the department on the functionality of the courts? Um, the answer is, is yes, we do. And uh, we are in the process of doing some monitoring of these courts, specifically in the post-lockdown era, uh, where there is a tendency to prioritize other cases other than equality courts in, in various courts. Um, as we are monitoring and, and uh, visiting some of these courts, I think uh, one of the things that we must bear in mind is that uh, we do have courts where there are uh, magistrates uh, who are available uh, and equality court premises, etc. And some of them do not get used. And I think that one of the uh, biggest uh, difficulties uh, and perhaps uh, something that we need to give some attention to uh, and while I'm not saying that everything is, is, is fine in, in all of the courts uh, throughout the country, I think that there, there's a lot that can be done, particularly in specific courts. Um, but the utilization of these courts uh, is, is uh, a problem where they do exist and where courts are ready to, to, to hear these matters. Um, the South African Human Rights Commission does use uh, many of uh, its courts, uh, these particularly the equality courts, quite uh, uh, extensively uh, as we generate uh, quite a lot of work for them. But um, 
I think members would recall that the equality courts were meant to be informal courts that are accessible to ordinary people uh, that uh, can deliver a very efficient um, uh, justice and, and hopefully uh, ensure that there is uh, uh, still a degree of social cohesion uh, retained through those uh, very informal processes. Um, uh, I do not think that sufficient work has been done in the communities uh, to popularize uh, how ordinary people can take their disputes to these courts, uh, that they don't need lawyers, that uh, these uh, uh, cases will be heard in an informal environment um, and uh, justice dispensed in, in that way. I think there is a huge amount of uh, room for more work to be done in this regard uh, throughout the length and breadth of the country. And certainly this is something that is on our radar. The CEO has uh, reminded me also that there's an MOU with uh, CALS uh, at, uh, based at Wits University uh, on monitoring um, some of these uh, cases, uh, particularly when it comes to uh, gender equality uh, through the courts and uh, assessing uh, the kinds of matters and judgments that have uh, arisen out of that as well. Um, as far as food security is concerned, uh, I'll try and be much briefer here. I think this is a matter of great concern, not just to the Human Rights Commission, but to, but to the country as a whole. I don't think you need the Human Rights Commission or research to tell us that as joblessness increases and as food inflation has taken a firm hold, uh, this results in uh, massive food insecurity uh, as well in the country. Um, while we're not monitoring this issue directly, uh, we are uh, very aware that Stats SA, and we're very heartened that Stats SA in its uh, census uh, has developed questions around food security and would be able to give us uh, uh, more empirical data uh, once uh, they re release their, their, their uh, census um, that is currently happening. Um, what we do monitor indirectly at this juncture is in respect to, to uh, the vulnerable, particularly children in places of safety and uh, in orphanages. Uh, one of our targets next year would be monitoring orphanages where you would have seen that uh, we had tragic loss of life uh, of children in these institutions in the Eastern Cape recently. Um, uh, food insecurity was also a uh, uh, came into sharp focus in the uh, aftermath of the July unrest. And uh, we are working on a, a social solidarity campaign, which we would want to come and speak to you in Parliament about uh, relatively shortly. Um, as far as solutions to food insecurity is concerned, I do think that the, there needs to be a multi-pronged approach, having spoken to various partner partnering organizations in this regard recently. Um, price relief from uh, inflation. I think uh, any any trip to the supermarket will tell you that uh, it's shocking some of the prices that you see on, on basic food items. Uh, subsidization is used by other countries uh, rather than just uh, saying that certain things are that exempt. Um, uh, access to food banks, for example, uh, is another uh, option that as a country we should we should be considering. 
Um, the development of a culture of food production in households, including in city and township gardens that are formally supported by government. Uh, this happens in some of the major uh, cities of the world, such as uh, Paris and uh, in Tokyo and so on, where households produce their own food either in, uh, within their uh, residential spaces or uh, in uh, places designated uh, for such gardens, um, for sustenance and, um, and, and also uh, uh, production and, and selling and so on, on a small scale. Uh, so these are some of some of the proposals I think that uh, we sh we should as a country be considering uh, uh, quite tenaciously at this stage. Thank you very much. Thank you, um, Deputy Chairperson. May I um, call upon Commissioner Malaji to talk uh, about the uh, CRPD, uh, including the the monitoring of the. Uh, how uh, the the commission is monitoring the, C the CRPD. There were there were two questions which were more or less related uh, that were asked. Commissioner Malaji. Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Uh, Chair, uh, there are people waiting here outside, and then uh, I was having problems with the muting of the phone and muting mm. of, of, the, of the laptop. Yeah. But, Chair, what I can tell the committee is that uh, the Human Rights Commission has uh, been, uh, in terms of the of the Human Rights Commission, embarked on. Uh, uh, <laughs> Are you there, Commissioner? Yes, can you hear me, Chair? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Uh, what I'm saying is that uh, the South African Human Rights Commission is in terms of Article 3 of the CRP, the Convention on the Rights of, right of Persons with Disability, expected to be uh, a monitoring mechanism in terms of the application of uh, the CRPD in the county. So what we have done to implement this provision of the CRPD <coughs> have elected uh, members of the civil organization who together with the Human Rights Commission will form a monitoring mechanism for purposes of the CRPD. Uh, 
and uh, at the moment we are waiting uh, for the necessary finances to implement uh, this uh, uh, article 32.3. So we hope that very soon we are going to embark on the training of members of the civil organization in being the, together with the commission, being the monetary mechanism for, uh, in terms of the CRPD. Okay. Yes. Okay, Commissioner. There was a question also asked to recommend that with the budget cuts, uh, some departments uh, or one department is getting rid of people who are deaf uh, in favor of uh, retaining people who uh, uh, are able-bodied. Um, I wonder whether you would like to comment on that, or, or perhaps we just say that. It is something that we can investigate um, if we get more details about. Uh, I can I can get you clearly. I think uh, chairperson. Yes. I think that could, I think your letter uh, response. Uh, I think is in order. I think it must be properly investigated, and yes. you can come back to us in writing. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Malaji. Um, may I um, may I then um, ask uh, the um, the Secretariat to deal with the issues about the contradiction regarding the ICT strengths and weaknesses? CEO, perhaps you could come in, or or Siasanga, I do not know. And then there was a question about what is organizational uh, culture renewal, which I think Lucky should should take. Um, and then, um, um, then Commissioner Gown, um, Lucky should also take the question on um, human capital management. Um, then Commissioner Gam will explain about the, the, the MOUs for universities. Please go ahead. Chair, Chair I will deal with the issues of ICT. Thanks, uh, Chair and CEO. Um, so, so in terms of uh, looking at this as a strength, it's really a reflection from where we come from and perhaps maybe a stage to date where our ICT systems have been able to carry us through. And particularly looking at the period of the last two years where we've had to suddenly shift in terms of methods of work, uh, how ICT has been able to support us to continue in terms of work from home kind of arrangement or remote work arrangements. And we continued to, 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 to hold our key engagements in terms of governance structures and so on. Uh, I think that the, the strength part come in as much as then it reflects to where we've been thus far. However, on the other side or flip side of it, it's in terms of ensuring that we then keep abreast and up to date with developments in the space of technology. And we realize that 
perhaps we may not be then moving and 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 taking hold of um, uh, available opportunities in order to develop our ICT as fast as we should. And therefore, we highlighted. I think it came more as kind of a risk that we are likely to then to run outdated if we don't keep up. And this was a conscientization to to, to ourselves to say, let's then keep abreast uh, with developments uh, so that we ensure that we don't get left behind uh, in the ICT space. Thanks, Chair. Thank you, Siasanga. Uh, yes, um, perhaps Lakishun, you should come in at this stage. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, good morning, um, Chair, Committee Chair, members. Um, Chair, regarding the, the, the occasional culture renewal, what the Commission did sometime, uh, some uh, three years back, the Commission uh, engaged the services of um, external experts around occasional culture to do an assessment of exactly what are the occasional culture issues or what are the issues that are raised by employees which would better the institute, would make the institution a better uh, place to live in, to work in. We were saying we were uh, themed around it, creating a, a best um, uh, employer or the employer of choice kind of institution in the commission. Then there were specific activities that came out of the assessment process which activities then um, uh, we were committing to do on an annual basis. Part of what we did as well was the, uh, um, the employee engagement survey, which as well came out of that process to say, we need to assess the level of satisfaction of employees through an employee satisfaction survey. Then from that survey, which we concluded last, 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 last financial period, with a report that contains recommendations as to what is it that we need, uh, what are the areas of concern which we need to uh, uh, focus on or to address. Then from from those results, from that uh, employee engagement survey report, we pull specific activities that we are committing to uh, do each and every year, uh, which form part of the occasional uh, culture renewal plan which every year there are specific activities that we undertake to uh, implement and then report. And then the following year, we also take up other activities until all of those are, uh, are exhausted. That's basically the, 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 what, what is contained in that, in that uh, uh, occasional culture renewal plan, which is meant basically to, uh, ensure to ensure the continuous monitoring of the occasional culture in the workplace. There are other uh, activities that then tend to come. Some, for instance, in response to the impact of COVID-19, part of what was uh, uh, proposed, it's um, innovative around team teams, allowing teams to have a, a sort of a come together and have a tea and a, a basically blend because of the view that um, employees were saying they are affected differently and with their remote work as well, they feel like they're isolated. So some of the innovations come basically out of engagements, uh, uh, even from staff, uh, uh, staff meetings, which are held quarterly and, 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 and those activities, they emanate from there. And then around chair, the, 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 what is actually contained in the human capital management plan 
it's the normal HR activities that uh, we, we, we are doing. The reason why they're contained in the plan is for us at the end of the period to be able to assess the level of uh, achievement on those specific activities. And there may be other emerging HR issues that perhaps when we, we, we start the year, management feel that perhaps we need to also well pull in the specific issues. And then based on capacity and resources, we are able to pull those ones, including putting them in an a sort of HR special projects. Uh, for example, part of what we have committed to do this year is to um, uh, relook at the um, um, uh, the job profile to review the job uh, the job to do the re- redo the job analysis reviewing all the jobs that we have because it has been quite some time since we did the last job analysis so because of the changes um, uh, part of what then would commit as a special project for this year is a a, a job reevaluation for all the positions in the in the institution that is basically how what is content otherwise other activities are your normal monitoring of the performance management issues the monitoring of the level of performance of performance around uh, delivery of trainings uh, and, and the employee wellness the staff wellness uh, employee assistance program uh, and and all of those issues that are contained there some as i indicated chair they are pulled in as and when there's a demand, there's a need even from management or from staff engagements to say we need to as well for this year focus on this particular uh, activity uh, from HR to include it in the plan. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Lucky. Uh, Commissioner Gaum, this one question can you very briefly, just very briefly. Thank you, thank you, Chair. Yes, uh, Chairperson of the Committee, um, the MOUs with universities is really about a very natural partnership between, on the one hand, an independent constitutional institution, and on the other hand, public institutions with academic freedom and institutional autonomy. As Professor Mandi Gisela uh, uh, put it, when we approached the Eastern Cape universities in this regard, he says he said that as public institutions speaking about universities, we have to serve the community, and therefore he also saw it uh, as a very logical partnership. So it's really about strategic partners that would boost the Commission's efficiency and effectiveness and also our reach. Uh, We're specifically thinking about the law faculties where we can get from them uh, legal support, uh, including student interns, advice, even participation in hearings and inquiries, and then also expert support from other faculties, including uh, on matters such as water, health, engineering, education, uh, system improvements, research, and so on. For, to make an example, if uh, a, a school would, for example, collapse somewhere, then the engineering faculty can be of great assistance to the commission to provide the expert advice and opinions that we don't necessarily have that capacity within the commission. Uh, We're also working towards an online human rights module for all students with the universities in partnership with with them already. And uh, these MOUs would also just strengthen the um, and and, um, expedite the process of developing that. So it's really a strategic partnership for expert uh, advice and expert assistance. 
Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner Baum. Um, Chairperson of the committee, may I just also deal with one or two of the issues that arose? One of the questions that you asked was about why the number of impact litigation cases has dropped to three. It is a matter that we have discussed quite extensively in, in the commission. Um, the, 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 I mean, the, the key word is, is impact. And we find that um, we can put many, many, uh, a, a, a large number of cases that we've got to do. Um, and, uh, you know, they have no impact, or many of them have no impact whatsoever. The Umsunduzi case uh, that has been referred to has got an impact in the sense that it lays down certain uh, principles that can be used then in dealing with uh, uh, environmental issues in other municipalities without having to go to court or to argue the matters very seriously. And that is the impact of, 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 the, um, of, of the case. And we then realized that we actually also spend a lot of resources on cases uh, that you know, do not have impact because uh, we are chasing the particular number, uh, which is arbitrary, is very difficult to, uh, to fix. What we, uh, we mean by impact litigation, we, 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 we mean a case that you do, uh, and, and if you're successful, it then changes the atmosphere uh, in a wide uh, 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 environment, um, wide for the society, for the wide society. Um, can I make an example um, of of the um, uh, of of the the Navirapin case, uh, the the treatment action campaign? You know, it was just one case, but then it changed the whole thinking in the country. That that is what we talk about impact litigation, and it requires research, it requires uh, planning, it requires. A, a lot of uh, uh, skill in, in presenting the case because you want, uh, if you win the case, to have a particular change in the, uh, in the legal environment, uh, which is favorable to uh, your clients. So we then decided that perhaps we should reduce the number and actually build up to uh, each uh, impact litigation case because it is uh, time consuming, uh, and uh, um, it involves resources, perhaps we should reduce the number to, to three. Then on the question uh, about reviewing the Health Act reg regulations, yes, we are in the process of looking at them uh, in, the, in the health focus area, and we hope to be making submissions uh, within the, the window that has been uh, uh, provided. And then on the question of, uh, uh, from Honorable Swart of uh, uh, vaccination, um, the commission usually takes these cases on the basis of complaints, which is why uh, Mr. Jones then uh, invited people who would like the commission to help to bring them to our attention. Section 13 also provides that when we have uh, or come across cases that uh, require our attention, we can on our own initiate an investigation into that, uh, which means therefore that we have really not come across cases where we can do an own initiative investigation, but 
if, if cases are brought to our attention, we definitely are going to deal with them. We're going to look at them and, and, and see how we can um, assist. And then with regard to the question of Section 184.3 reports, whether uh, we have submitted any reports to Parliament, I must say that we haven't um, submitted any specific 184.3 reports to Parliament because, on the one hand, the section doesn't really indicate that there is a requirement on our part to, um, to, uh, to, to, to report to Parliament specifically on Section 184.3. However, we do put uh, information in the State of Human Rights report that we issue every year. And, and that report does also go to, to Parliament. We were thinking a, a few weeks ago that maybe we, we should have a particular section in that report that actually deals with Section 184.3. And I must say that Section 184.3 um, uh, is a, a very good section, but it is difficult to implement because, again, of the levels of responses that you get from the various uh, provincial and, and national uh, departments. Sometimes you get responses, but those responses are not uh, up to uh, what you are expecting. And sometimes you don't even get any responses. That, that has, and it remains a, a, a challenge uh, for, for, for us in that regard. Then um, the issue of the quality courts, uh, I think that we should bear in mind also that Section 7 of PEPUDA, uh, uh, Chapter 7, uh, Section 32 of PEPUDA, uh, had created a mechanism in terms of which the Department of Justice uh, would be, um, uh, I mean, kept aware of how the whole act is operating. And unfortunately, since I came to the commission, we have been asking the department to establish this committee again, because it existed. Um, uh, I think that uh, Professor Guto was one of the last members of, of that committee, but it has not uh, been established. It has not been possible to establish, I do not know, but there has been a problem in establishing this. And one of the uh, functions of that committee is actually to make regular reports to the Minister of Justice on the operation of the act. And they would then say, we need, uh, uh, the act is not, people, there is lack of awareness of, uh, of the act here, let us do something, or there is lack of training uh, for magistrates or for judges or whatever you, or there are few of them and so on. And that, uh, all those initiatives would, would uh, uh, add towards a greater use of the, of the quality courts. Um, at the moment, I'm not sure um, how, where the Minister of Just, uh, Justice is with regard to amending the PUDA and, and whether this uh, is going to, to, to continue. But it is there in the Act and it has not uh, happened uh, for a number of years. And uh, Chairperson, the final comment was uh, the question whether um, steps have been taken uh, to, 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 you know, to provide continuity with regard to the position of the CEO. Uh, I must say that, yes, uh, the steps are being taken um, and we, we, we're looking forward to uh, 
um, the process is, is starting to run and, and uh, getting a replacement. Thank you. Uh, Chair, you left on the issue of whistleblowers. Can I speak to that? Oh, yeah. I, I meant to, to call out Mark. Yes, if you could speak to, to whistleblowers. I had marked it. I'm sure I missed it. Yes. Yes, please. Yes, uh, Honourable Chair and Members, we have spent uh, almost uh, 4 million rands around issues of whistleblowers. Uh, we've taken two cases to court. And, and, uh, and then we then approached Treasury to us to give us some money around issues of whistleblowers. We've had uh, two summits uh, this year on whistleblowers, uh, including whistleblowers themselves, as well as uh, a number of bodies, constitutional uh, bodies, which are listed uh, in uh, the Protected Disclosures Act uh, to see how we can work together to address uh, you know, the challenges uh, many whistleblowers are facing in view of the impact and the role whistleblowers play in the fight against corruption and abuse of power. Uh, we'd also uh, raise concerns about, uh, you know, some of the weaknesses in the legal framework. And we have engaged uh, uh, Justice Department, the DG, and his team, and we'll be submitting a report to our commissioners uh, highlighting uh, the gaps. And we're hoping that, you know, uh, uh, the concerns raised by us and other people, uh, including the Zonda Commission report, will then help for us to come up with a much better uh, uh, legal uh, and institutional framework to protect whistleblowers, but also to encourage people to, uh, uh, you know, to whistleblow. As things stand now, uh, you know, many whistleblowers suffer from occupational detriment and there's hardly any support for them. It is really create a problem for, uh, for, for everybody else. And we see the violation, uh, the victimization of whistleblowers as a human rights issue, which we have to uh, engage Unfortunately, we have had the support of the public protector and the AG and Public Service Commission around these issues, and we're working together to ensure that, you know, we do play our role as institutions established to, to defend democracy by making sure that, you know, whistleblowers are, are much better protected. The other thing which I forgot to raise was that uh, we're given a million rands by Treasury uh, from our surpluses to assist uh, Nadeem Malachi uh, in setting up uh, the independent monitoring uh, mechanism uh, for the CRPD. So we hope that that will soon uh, get going very soon. We have one million rands at least to spend uh, in the next financial year to assist the Demolage in this regard. Uh, thank you, members of the committee. Thank you, uh, CEO. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. Well, thank you very much, uh, Chairperson of the Human Rights Commission. Um, I do think that um, uh, most of the plans that you have, we will see the results when you come back uh, in October to the B, the BRRR processes, um, when you have to report for the year under review as to whether some of them um, were indeed uh, implemented. So we will meet uh, one another during that period. Um, one of the issues that I would like you to look at is this issue of strategic or impact uh, litigation, strategic impact litigation. Um, you are not the only one who is doing that. 
also the South African uh, uh, Legal Aid Board, South Africa is also doing it. So perhaps it will be important to look at how you coordinate uh, for, uh, for the purposes of greater impact and how you also uh, use uh, the issue of pro bono work um, from lawyers who are interested in uh, public interest law to ensure that uh, you have, you save resources, but you maximize impact in ensuring that uh, there is, uh, there are more lawyers uh, that are, are available to do that particular work. I'm aware that uh, the minister together with Legal Practice Council, they are finalizing regulations with respect to uh, community work um, for lawyers and candidate attorneys and candidate uh, attorneys and uh, peoples. So I think it would be important that uh, the voice of uh, um, South African Human Rights Commission is heard because you can also maximize um, um, on that score, having more lawyers uh, to have to volunteer pro bono hours and do pro bono work in assisting the South African Human Rights Commission. Um, and maybe chair, uh, it's something that you might want to comment on. Yes, Chair. Um, thank you very much for, for raising that issue. It is an issue that is worrying us as the Commission, the issue of pro bono work, because we have been cultivating lawyers that are willing to give pro bono work to us. But now, uh, on the Treasury side, there is a requirement that um, uh, the, the, you know, even for pro bono, we have to go through the, the, the normal supply chain process. And uh, when you do that, you may lose people who do not have time for all that. They just want to, to render the assistance that you need, but they do not want to go through all the bureaucratic thing. And um, we, we are not sure, Commissioner Gum and I were discussing this uh, not long ago, we, we were not sure how do we ensure that things like those are exempted in a way by uh, treasury, even if it lays down certain, uh, certain, certain, certain conditions? And the, the beauty of getting pro bono assistance is that if you have a case now that needs assist, uh, I mean, uh, legal support now, uh, pro bono assistance becomes available now. When you go through uh, the, the supply chain process, it can take you four months before you get, uh, uh, you know, the lawyer you want. By then, the milk would have been spilled. Um, and so it's very important for, for the commission that we get assistance, you know, uh, from, on the side of treasury to say if it is pro bono and it happens within these parameters, it is fine. It doesn't have to go through the, the bureaucratic waterfall. We can take so many cases because there are in Johannesburg, in Cape Town, in other places, there are law firms that have got pro bono departments and they're willing to, to, to make pro bono assistance available. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Chair. I think it's something that needs to be looked at. And uh, I'm sure that uh, when the regulations come before us, 
uh, we shall behave in what you have raised in mind um, as to how we can be of assistance. Um, but there is the, the, the regulations will come to, to Parliament and we'll look at uh, we'll look at what you have raised. Um, but also I understand that you also do provide uh, legal training for attorneys or candidate attorneys. Um, and we are talking uh, not necessarily of a, of a, a fusion, uh, but um, we are talking about equality generally between the issues of attorneys and advocates. And maybe going forward, you should be looking at uh, giving opportunities to the training of both uh, legal, uh, attorneys and uh, and uh, pupils, because quite a number of pupils, and because of the limitations that are imposed on members of the bar, on the number of people that they can have at a particular time. So quite a number of uh, pupils would want to be trained and who might have interest in uh, public interest law and not uh, getting opportunities. So it's something that you might need to, to look at going forward. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you to, to Chairperson of the Human Rights Commission, to Commissioners, and to the Secretariat of the South African Human Rights Commission, and everybody on the virtual platform, and to everybody listening and watching at home. Thank you very much. Uh, the meeting is adjourned. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, members, and uh, thank you to the staff, the Commission. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Chair and members thank of you. the committee. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Recording stopped.